Um, so hello, everybody. Um, I'd like to welcome you all to the uh, Back to Back podcast, uh, where we're going to discuss today uh, low middle income or ELMIC country involvement in vaccine and immunology research. And this uh, podcast is being released in conjunction with Immunisation Week. And I'm really lucky to be joined today by Marisol, Dr. Marisol Perez Toledo from the University of Birmingham, formerly from the IMNS Mexico City, Mexico, and also Esther Matumbi, who's at the moment at the uh, Kemri Welcome Research Facility in Kisumu in East Kenya on the Indian Ocean. And I'm calling in from the University of Cape Town in South Africa. Okay, so i uh, just like to say thanks for joining us, Marisol and Esther. Thanks to you for inviting us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Ah, thank you. Okay, so I'll get on with the, the first question I'd like to kick the discussion off with, if that's all right. So, broadly speaking, I mean, a very broad question. Um, why is it important to carry out Im immunological or vaccine research in Elmics when, or I could also say, when other countries maybe are better resourced to do it? I think, Esther, maybe if you could kick that off, because, I mean, where you are, is a real centre of excellence for vaccine research. So what well, I think the main reason would be because this is the right thing to do. Um, it is true at this point that a large percentage of vaccine research takes place in high-income countries. Um, yet um, I would say most of this research, uh, especially more recently on vaccines, are on vaccines that target infectious diseases that are causing the high morbidity and mortality in elmic countries. So there's currently a bit of a mismatch of where it's done versus where it is needed or implemented. So, um, so why is so why do it in, um, for example, Africa? Um, this is where the problem is. Um, there's opportunity to build capacity while uh, while addressing the issue. Lots of brilliant minds, young and old, who would make great contributions to science given these opportunities. Um, and of course, if you're thinking about the vaccine development pathway, you'd want to, to think through from discovery to clinical development to implementation, have all the players um, come in and to give input at the different stages, which will avoid major hurdles downstream. For example, if you, um, yeah, so if people are involved at the beginning, then um, some of the issues that come up at uh, in terms of vaccine hesitancy and low uptake would be tackled very early in the process. Um, sort of, um, well, what I'm trying to say is if the research, ag vaccine research agenda is set together at the development of the vaccines happening, happens together um, in the ELMI country with support from um, other partners then there's no reason why it would be difficult to accept the vaccine or use it once it is ready, you know, okay. move further if we work okay, together. Okay, thanks, <laughs> And then Marisol, could you maybe give us your opinion for someone who's moved from an Elmic to uh, a non-Elmic and who's very, you know, obviously with your background with Constantino and your work yeah. on non-typhoidal salmonella, you know, how you see the contribution of Elmics. I think um, I think the reason why it's important to carry to carry out our research in Elmix is because although um, I mean vaccines are needed everywhere, 
but each country has their own need for vaccines. Like there, there are certain areas, and Elmix in particular, um, the need for vaccines against infectious diseases like malaria, like salmonella, that in um, in other countries is not needed. Um, I, I think making this a priority in Elmix uh, will, of course, uh, well. I, I think it's it's important to make a priority th this type of diseases in, in in the research agenda of of each country. Um, I think I, I agree with Esther that one when the community is involved, um, it's easier to make them part of the of, of 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 the of the plan, and there also will result in less hesitancy uh, for vaccination eventually. Um, so. And there's also, of course, the the um, well that there is more opportunity to, uh, for example, in in the case of uh, clinical trials, when clinical trials are made in a naive population, the results are not going to be the same if they are made in a non-naive population where the prevalence of, uh, for example, malaria will be higher. So um, I think keeping keeping the two sides together, but also taking in mind that each country will have their own priorities. I think that's why I think that's why um, research still has to be taken. Uh, the research research has still need to be um, uh, done in Elmix. I think that's a really important point you brought up there, Marisol, the role of comorbidities in yeah. Elmix countries, and, and especially at the moment. I mean, obviously with COVID, you know, the real risk factor for that is comorbidities and while it appears in my opinion at the moment that we seem to be starting to understand the role of non-infectious comorbidities i don't think we really have any idea yet what the role of infectious diseases where the burdens are really high in um elmic countries so you know what what's going to be the effect of for example speaking from my own standing of in South Africa for the role of HIV and TB. Um, I guess, Esther, for Kenya, you're going to be concerned about malaria um, as well as TB and um, various helminth infections. Yeah. And likewise, in Mexico, you're going to have, I guess, TB, um, other parasitic infections, Lashmania, and other bacterial yeah. infections are going to be more prevalent. And so one reason... Uh, one particular strength I think Elmix should maybe bring to the table with regards to immunology and understanding vaccines is how changes in the burden of disease um, in these countries where the burden is frequently higher and maybe more path pathological, um, how that affects, for example, vaccine efficacy and the control of other diseases. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd be really interested to know, you know, we're all from different different elmics who bring different things to the table, I think. But I'd be really interested to know, um, from Esther and Marisol, what you think. Um, how, how do elmics contribute to understanding globally the importance of the burden of infectious disease where, because we have high rates of uh, high burdens of infectious diseases? I don't think we contribute enough. Um, I think that is a... Um window of opportunity that would actually be uh, very useful to exploit in combination with um, Elmix, Elmix and non-Elmix settings. 
Unfortunately, in many cases, the um, epidemiological surveillance is not enough uh, due to the own elmic uh, challenges, and that that we we just could do it better. Um, and I'm sure this also could be helpful in the current situation where, uh, you know, so obesity, for example, we know that obesity is a risk factor for influenza and COVID. Yeah. So carrying research in Elmix, where or at least I'm talking from Mexico, at least, where it's one of the most prevalent comorbidity, uh, you know, it will it will help us to understand the um, well how this uh, obesity in particular impacts the response to infections. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think from speaking from my my understanding is from South Africa, which is I think got a very strong immunology. Um, basis, um, but when you lay us side by side with, for example, European or North American countries, obviously we pale into insignificance with regards to the, the quantity of re of researchers or research facilities that we have. Obviously, we're, we're a lot less there, but I think the quality of what we do is remarkable, and this is something that I have experienced in other countries. My my, my experience is primarily sub-Saharan Africa, that there is the expertise is there, albeit at low levels compared to the numbers of scientists we'll have in developed more developed countries or high-income countries. Um, and I've also seen how it's... I've, I've, we're starting to also see the, the benefits of a lot of significant in, investment, I think, from organisations like the Wellcome Trust, um, Gates Foundation... Which is which I think I'm seeing now in sub-Saharan Africa is, is maybe is starting to really develop a cohort of homegrown, independent, world-leading researchers, which I think is really exciting, really really exciting. Um, and I, I'm not I'm not so I'm not so aware of what the, the, the situation is in Mexico, and maybe you can give us an idea on what the you know how Mexico is being upskilled from its partners such as North America and how internally it's being upskilled. And also, I think on the relationships with Mexicans and other South, Central and South American countries, how well they work together. Yeah, maybe Esther, um, you can comment on, on training, training in Africa and how it's come on in the past 10, 15 years. Yeah. First, um, let me comment on the, the burden of infectious diseases and how it, why it's important to and how Africa or Elmix contributes to understanding of the global burden. What um, what I have seen from my limit from my experiences, um, even as um, global metrics of global burden of some infectious diseases are put up, because of the high prevalence of comorbidities in Africa, such as helmic infections, HIV, malaria, malnutrition, all these things always tip the. Um, tip the burden to high accounts. For example, if you look at burden of salmonellosis in high-income countries versus um, the invasive NTS type that we see in Africa, um, different. So it's, 
it is extremely important to invest in surveillance in Africa to get the full understanding of the burden of some of these diseases. Um, on the question on how capacity, how training has improved in Africa, I can I can speak from the from the experience of our research center, which is um, funded through uh, Wellcome and Oxford. Um, and also the Kenya government, there has been a tremendous increase in um, in funding that supports uh, research capacity building in different levels from, you know, postgraduate students all the way to PhD and also senior research leaders. What this has done is has helped to bring up, uh, like, uh, to bring up researchers from very young, ages and who then go ahead and contribute to the field. Um, I am one of the recipients of such uh, funding and increased interest from research groups that have, yeah, th yes, that, are, that we can say, that we can, we can touch the, the, the investment in capacity building in our center mm -hmm. is something that is tangible. Yeah. And, and the situation, so, so we're saying, so, you know, my own comments and Esther's comments, we're seeing that there's there's an upskilling and an expansion of the scientific or the immunological research base for immunology and vaccine research in sub-Saharan Africa. And how's what's your opinion on um, how that's developing in, in Central American setting, um, Marisol? Um, I, in the case of Mexico in particular, I think there is a lot of... Um, investment from the government for uh, people who want to pursue a career in uh, academia and get a master's and a PhD. Um, there's also a lot of um, support for getting into um, placements or short placements in developed countries, uh, states and Europe mainly. Um, However, I think the problem is bringing people back and creating the infrastructure required to grow uh, the critical mass needed to actually make that uh, to, to, to make a, a, a long-standing um, effect. Because what happens is that yes, there is a lot of there are lots of scholarships. Um, but then all of the people who receive the scholarships, they just go and stay in developed settings. And, and that's fine, because uh, that's brilliant people uh, making, uh, having success there. But, but I think it's also important to think how we can then, well, give back in a way what, what was given to us. Um, from 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 our own countries um so we've got an idea then that we've got this um we've got training happening we've got a restriction though later on in training in the development of this um more senior research base um which is probably due to many many reasons um another thing i'd, I'd also like us to maybe address is a lot of our research at the moment i find can be from the elmic to the high income country. Um, I'd like comments on 
um, how how we can improve interactions and meaningful research collaborations between LMIX. So, for example, uh, and for that, I, I have I, I can comment myself in a little bit, but I'd like to hear from Marisol what the what the state of play is between interactions between, for example, Mexico and other um, Central and South American countries. Yeah. Um, I think the strategies, like in, in the case of Esther, uh, with the um, Henry, with the Welcome Trust, the, the facilities that are there, um, I, th I, think, I think that's a really good strategy. Um, and I think that also has been pursued by Oxford uh, and another university in Mexico. Um, but something like that, you know, like physical presence, actual physical, uh, physical presence, um, will, will um, help it. Um, also, I think, well, <laughs> removing restrictions in terms of mobility. Um, so in my case, for example, when I was a PhD student, I had the opportunity to come to Birmingham to do a six months internship. And that was smoother because the IMSS and the University of Birmingham signed an agreement where students could move uh, freely, freely, taking into account the mi yeah. migratory restrictions uh, between the two uh, institutions. And then I could go there. Um, may I just, may I just, just to interrupt, would, would such a, a movement of researchers be as simple between, for example, Mexico and Brazil? Or Mexico and Argentina, or would it, would it be mean? would it be as attractive? Would it be as, as attractive for a new postdoc to a recently qualified PhD student to go to Brazil, for example, to carry out to t carry out their postdoctoral research? Or is yeah, is, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it usually Europe and um, the United States are, are more attractive because of the, um, the there's usually more money. Well, there's more funding to carry out research, but um, yeah, Chile. Chile is actually a very uh, good example of how um, how how well they're doing. Brazil as well. Um, so I, I, I don't think I don't think that would be an impediment for people to decide yeah. go um, and develop their career on academia. Yeah. I mean, similarly with, with South Africa, we're, we're very attractive for other African researchers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to see it encourage more to happen the other way as well for Africans to see opportunities throughout Africa as well as outside of Africa in the more traditionally attractive locations, such as the States, mm -hmm. Europe, and yeah. if I may say yeah. so, South Africa, where they want to go because it's it's good for their career. And yeah. So I think I think we're sort of coming to the end of the discussion. I think we've touched on a lot of topics. We've only got a short bit of time, so we can't go into depth. But I think it's obvious that immunology, studying vaccines in LMIX, it has to happen because we bring our own questions and we've got our own problems that are different to high-income countries. And to understand an immune response or a vaccine response in a high-income country is different to understanding it in, in Mexico, Kenya, Vietnam or South Africa. So it's very important for us to have that base, I think. And I think it is happening. We are developing our science communities here. And there is some really fantastic research um, institutes and researchers that are based on a driving the development of them. And the bottom line is we need 
to to support them going forward and that needs to come as much from global support i think but also mm -hmm. locally i think as ever national governments need to value us more as they should everywhere um so that we can carry on trying to do what we're trying to do um have you got anything yeah. else you'd like to say marisol um no, nothing just like I, I completely agree with what you said uh, we have our own questions and with more support i think we will be able to um address them okay okay so um i'd, I'd like to finish up there and I'd like to thank uh, marisol and esther um fortunately we've lost esther we had some connection uh, issues with kenya um, and i'd like to thank back to vac for giving us the opportunity to talk about this issue um, and I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but obviously this is being done remotely um, because of the current pandemic and uh, because we've got all social distance and hopefully in a few months time, we can start to think about getting together for back to back meetings again. Okay. Thank you very much.